uh, let me maybe tell you some stories. Um, 1994, the World Wide Web uh, went public, and um, uh, Larry Ellison's Oracle uh, became one of the major players through that time period. If you look at the top three or four senior executives reporting to Ellison during that 10-year period from 1994 to 2004, and you look at what happened to them, um, over time, 11 uh, left, and out of those, other than through retirement. And out of those 11, nine of them became CEOs or chairmen of other companies. Uh, I'm also a foodie. I'm into um, high-end food. Some of you from America or maybe anywhere may know a restaurant called Chez Panisse in Berkeley. Uh, Alice Waters is the, uh, um, the restaurateur, uh, originally the chef, and uh, during um, uh, probably over the last 35 years, if you look at the development of high-end farm-to-table organic food, an unbelievable number of people have worked for or gone through the restaurants of Chef Panisse and Alice, Alice Waters. In fact, um, April Bloomfield, who was a pretty well-known British chef, moved to America and she opened the Breslin and a couple other pretty well-known restaurants. And when she moved to the U.S., the first thing she said is, I got to go hang out with Alice. I want to see how Americans cook. That was the first thing she decided to do. Uh, tremendous track record of developing some of the most important restaurateurs and, um, um, uh, and chefs. Um, let's take another, uh, another industry. Uh, actually, let's take a really unusual industry. Um, if you look at the history of jazz and you look at the most famous uh, most successful jazz players of the last probably 15 or 20 years. We're talking about uh, John Coltrane, uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne Shorter, Bill Evans, uh, Herbie Hancock. They all have one thing in common, and that is that they all were in the band of Miles Davis. And somehow Miles Davis found these people and did something. So here's an interesting pattern, three really different uh, industries, and the same pattern holds, which is to say that there's one person and it's particularly interesting in a world of big data that we've heard come up a couple of times, that there's one person that has had this incredible outsized influence in the development of talent in that industry. I've been studying these people for the last literally 10 years, interviewing hundreds of people, some of these, uh, some of these people, some of their protégés. By the way, I call them super bosses. Um, they, are, they are people that have helped and continue to generate uh, uh, one generation of talent after another. Uh, they, they are the people that help account for the, the major leaders in an industry. Do a genealogical study of an industry that you're familiar with. What do I mean by that? Look at the top 20 companies and look at their most senior executives and do that genealogical study, who they work for. Track that and uh, it, won't, it, won't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you were to find one or two, maybe three at most in any industry of an individual that they work for whether it's an Alice Waters, whether it's a Larry Ellison. Uh, in American fashion, it's Ralph Lauren. Those of you that follow American football, it's um, the old San Francisco 49er coach, Bill Walsh. And by the way, there's 32 teams in the NFL. 20 of them today have a head coach that either worked directly or indirectly for Bill Walsh. A tremendous track record. Uh, who are these people? Uh, well, they're actually really different. Um, you have people like Larry Ellison. I call, I call those types of people glorious bastards because they actually couldn't care less about the people working for them. All they care about is winning. They want to win, and they have an insight that is really remarkable. That insight is that the only way to win is to develop the world's best talent, and so that's what they do. And they don't really care about the people working for them, but they know to win, and that's all they care about. They're going to develop the world's best talent. You have other people that are more nurturing types, 
um, that are kind of mentors on steroids uh, that do a whole series of things that maybe we're a bit more familiar with. And then there's a third category, I call them iconoclasts or creatives, and that's the Miles Davis of the world. You think Miles Davis is sitting around reading business books about how to develop talent. Um, it's intuitive, uh, it's driven as a natural outgrowth of his passion. Because of his fame, he draws in great talent. So we have three different types of motivations for the same pattern that happens in industry after industry. And maybe the most interesting thing of all is when you look carefully at what they do, they actually all do more or less the same things. In other words, what Larry Ellison does is very similar to what, to what Miles Davis did. And no one's going to put those two in the same category. Uh, uh, but yet, but they, yet they did. So what, what are some of those things? Let me highlight real quick a couple of those. Um, so of course, it starts with finding the right talent. What does that mean? Uh, they search for uh, uh, brain power, intelligence. Everybody says that. Not everybody does that, of course. Uh, they look for and demand creativity um, uh, from their talent. Uh, and they also look for extreme flexibility. That's one of the big characteristics that you keep, that you keep seeing. Uh, they will create jobs for people, even if there's no job description. This is, makes the HR people crazy, right? You have to have a job description step by step. They will create a job if they find the right type of person. I mean, it's a famous story of Ralph Lauren. He's at, a he's at a restaurant in New York with his family, and he strikes up a conversation with um, a woman at a table right next, to, right next to him and his family, and he liked how she was dressed. Uh, he liked how she was dressed and kind of in a funky, interesting way. And they're talking, and uh, after, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, Ralph and his family get up from the restaurant. He gives, he gives her his card. She didn't recognize him and says, you know, Ralph Loren. She says, if you have a chance, come into the office. I'd like to talk to you about a job. I mean, they're always looking for talent. They don't follow the rules. Of course, they don't follow the standard rules of developing, of developing or finding, finding talent. So, okay, they find unusual talent. They look for talent in all sorts of different ways. What do they do next? Like a lot of people, they raise the bar, they push you, high expectations, always improving. I don't think that's particularly original, but they add a dimension that I found, and maybe you have too, is much more rare, which is they truly inspire their people. You know, inspiration is one of these really soft touch words. People talk about it all the time. But in fact, uh, that's what they do. They instill confidence. Ralph Lauren, again, used to say to his people, designers, senior executives, the world follows what we're doing. We don't follow anyone else. They follow, they're looking to see what we're doing. And you know, you can't fake a thing like that. You have to really believe it or else the inauthenticity really will shine through. So they, um, uh, they're, uh, uh, they're inspiring people, they're, they're, they're giving people the confidence to believe that they can do anything. And then the, the, the other part that they do, which gets uh, to some of what uh, Alessandro was talking about, is certainly around innovation. They demand, they demand creativity. They don't want people that just do the job. They want people that are constantly rethinking how, how work should, should look. So, um, uh, for example, um, uh, Miles Davis. Miles Davis used to say to his band, and of course this is a creative industry so it's easier to understand, um, uh, if you don't have anything new uh, to offer, if you can't create something, I don't want you here. Now, of course, he spiced up that paraphrase with a variety of four-letter words, but that's really what, what he was saying. But it turns out the same pattern holds in all these different, different businesses. So let's put together a few of those ideas and see where, where we end up. You find unusual talent. You'll find jobs, you'll create jobs for, for people. Um, you motivate and, and, and energize people to do more than they ever thought possible. You inspire them, you, raise, you, you, you instill a sense of confidence, and then you unleash their creativity. And actually what you get is, I think, what we need today in organizations more than anything else. And it's not built to, built to last, to use the Jim Collins uh, term, it's much more built to change. 
And think about the world we're in. Think about our models of change that all academics here know only too well. John Carter wrote, wrote the Bible that we all know, eight steps, sense of urgency. And unfortunately, a lot of companies have to do that. But wouldn't it be better if a company, an organization, was constantly changing? Not built to last, but built to change. That's what the super bosses have done. It's kind of a cool thing. And that's my, my new book and my new idea. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.